0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, jumping in to
2: tell you about this week's episode of Meat and Three, Heritage Radio Network's Weekly Food Roundup. This week, we're introducing you to some amazing women taking a stand.
1: So often, being sexually harassed feels like a loss of control,
2: and so I wanted to have these very tangible guides to say, here's what you can do. Others are pushing for more diversity at major food industry events. I still feel really determined to do you know, whatever I can to help shift that and in a direction that's not just more diverse but more equitable. We also have a report on that summer business staple, the lemonade stand. The
3: lemonade stand might be the purest form of starting a business. Low overhead... Easy to get into and requires little experience or special equipment.
2: Don't miss Meat and Three, your weekly 15 minute food news roundup from HRN. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Search M E A T plus sign T H R E E. And thanks, as always, for listening.
3: Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Today's theme, DIY or die.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hear Fred, my guest, laughing in the background. When I was a teenager, there was no internet. I mean, sure, the government had it, and there were bulletin board systems you could dial in with a modem like Matthew Broderick in War Games. There was AOL, CompuServe, a couple of other places, but there wasn't the expectation we have today of being able to text someone or email them and get a reply within a few minutes or find someone on Facebook or LinkedIn. That ease of connection didn't exist. There was no looking up directions. You had to write them down or use a map. But we still got things done. I come out of the DIY music and art The early 90s, when bands toured, they had to call and write letters to get a gig. In 1992, when Maximum Rock and Roll magazine published Book Your Own Fucking Life, it really changed the game. It was a compendium of people, places, labels, distributors for punk and underground music. When I moved to New York in the late 90s, we started having music and art shows in our loft. It was pretty similar. People would find out about us, experimental bands from Europe or jazz giants like Arthur Doyle came into our crappy living room and played to a packed house mostly by word of mouth and through a small email list. They often found us by phone through real-life friends. They'd write us letters and ask if they could play in our living room. The world is far different than that now. Don't get me wrong, I'm not lamenting the technology. It's amazing. I can now keep up with and share ideas with people I've known for years and people I just met through social media, and it all moves us forward. When my wife and I started a business, we did it mostly on our own. Some people call that bootstrapping. I think my experiences in music and art scenes led me to feel that I could figure it out. I wasn't worried that I'd fail, and the barrier to entry in New York was still pretty low, although that's changed a lot in the past 15 years. We built the space ourselves, didn't hire any fancy designers, bought equipment at yard sales off Craigslist, put together the first iteration of the Brooklyn Kitchen in 2006. Shortly thereafter, I heard about a place to get banh mi on Havemeyer. At the time, Havemeyer in South Third was still a pretty heavily barrio-style neighborhood and hadn't really been discovered by young, whiter city city dwellers. Here was this place serving banh mi and pho, and it wasn't in Chinatown. It was a DIY space and the food was awesome. My guest today is Fred Hua, the chef and owner of that restaurant. The first time I walked into Na Toi, he was grating carrots and daikon into a 40-gallon trash can to make Do Chua, <laughs> and his mom was toasting bread for sandwiches. I knew right away that he was my kind of business owner. Fast forward a number of years, we're both dads now. Fred has moved on to another unlikely spot with his current restaurant, not it's on a still somewhat desolate stretch of Morgan Avenue in industrial Greenpoint and serves the best rice bowls you're likely to find just about anywhere. Fermented foods, tempeh, rice, fish, and an array of more than a dozen sauces to add into your bowl, along with fresh iced tea, cold beer, and art on the walls, make this one of my favorite spots. There's something about the bootstrapping and the grit. The authenticity makes the food better. It just does. Fred grew up in San Jose, not far from where I spent my formative early DIY years in Northern California, and I think there's just something about meeting people with that shared ethos. It's hard to put a finger on it, but I think it's DIY or die. Thanks, Fred, for joining me today on the show.
4: Thanks for having me.
3: Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I wanna, I'm curious to, to find out, actually. I've been waiting for this moment to find out. Uh, were you in a band in California?
4: No, 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 you no weren't. not at all.
3: Um, I thought maybe we might have crossed paths in that music world.
4: Well, I think the connections with food, I mean, food and music and art, um, you know, it, there's a lot of common ground.
3: Yeah, of course. And, Absolutely.
4: Uh, and I use my food my as a form of connecting with people, just yeah. like musicians.
3: Totally. Absolutely. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about your food um, and sort of where it where it comes from. I mean, obviously it's sort of heavy in Vietnamese tradition.
4: Yeah, um, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Vietnamese tradition and growing up in California. Um, and, you know, just like a lot of people now, I think there's a lot more of, of an awareness of, you know, your food and where it's coming from. And um, so with that awareness, I uh, try to keep it as, as healthy as possible. I yeah. mean, there's, there's a little bit of uh, the medicine man in me. You know, sure, I want to make sure people are healthy and happy and and coming back for more.
3: And I think I mean I think that comes out in your food actually very clearly. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as you were saying that about people wanting to know where their food comes from, it it made me think about sort of your two restaurants and sort of how they, the space exists and you you see the cooks, right? I mean, your first restaurant, I mean, I feel like it was like you know, just like a table between <laughs> between you and the customer, right? What, I we, mean, there was nothing. To, there was nothing to hide. No, there was nothing. <laughs> There's no room to hide. Yeah.
4: <laughs> now it was a. Uh, it was the original format, and I just kind of, I mean, throughout the years, just rearranged everything according to the menu. You know, there was things that were added. Uh, in the very beginning, I wanted just to be very Vietnamese in a in a way where we specialize in one or two things and you know, have different, um, options like vegetarian, seafood option, meat options, and just be a specialist. And, yeah. uh, I knew that if I just concentrated in a couple of things, it would just get better. Yeah. And I didn't want to overwhelm myself and, um, you know, be one of those places where they just kind of have the greatest hits of Vietnamese food and right. a lot of things come off mediocre. And, sure.
3: Um, I mean, I think, if, am I remembering correctly when you first started, it was just on me. It was just Bon Me. Yeah.
4: Uh, and then summer rolls were added and then later Pho and then when Pho came into the picture it just got crazy. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, then I had to get more cooks and, you know, rearrange things to accommodate because pho, pho takes a lot of um, refrigeration and sure. freezer space yep. and so yep. so um, but yeah, you know, you, you kinda work with what you got. Um, especially if you're not funded right you know, by investors or
3: yeah I mean let, let's talk a little bit about that I mean you know I mean New York is a notoriously difficult city in which to start a business but it's the place we all come to right where we want to like yeah. do something because New York will love you if you put something out there and it's a great place for that like if you have any kind of great,
4: you know you want to bring something to the world you know uh, and, and share something this yeah. is it this yeah. is like you know
3: the crossroads of the
4: world and right. it, it's great for that
3: but you know, a lot of people do that, and they need a lot of backing, and oh, they yeah. bring in designers, and they've got a lot of fancy you know stuff, and all the tables have to match, and all the chairs, and <laughs> all this stuff. And you know, I feel like you and I are not that kind of business no, person. No, no, no. no um, so tell me about starting Natoy originally.
4: Um, Natoy was it was a very much a just almost like an accident. It, it um, at the time I was um, in between jobs and came across. A, Job posting for a Japanese restaurant that's no longer there. It was called Ku. Q O O O. and it was on. Uh, it was right next to the Knitting Factory, so on Metropolitan Havermeyer. And there was another restaurant that's no longer open, and it's called a Rapa Rapa, uh, who later became good friends of mine. Um, and they were looking. Both were looking for chefs, and so I was riding my bike down the street, going to these interviews, and I came across a sign. It was a handwritten sign. It was the kind of sign that I would have written. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was a sign of desperation. Like, and we got to get rid of this space. And Fred is
3: not joking about that. When you go, if you ever went to Natoi,
4: one of my favorite
3: things was that there were lots of handwritten signs everywhere. And means like that still. I love it.
4: Yeah. I mean, we, we you know, it's the easiest thing. And if you could, why not? You yeah. Know? I mean, I think that's a DIY totally. kind of state of mind. It's yeah. like, if I can, then why? Yep. What's going to stop me? I should yeah. just do it. Yep. I mean, and... um
3: so you found the space with a handwritten sign.
4: And we, we negotiated, and they were just, just it was an old, sweet Dominican couple, and they were just ready to leave. I think they didn't realize how hard it was to to, to keep a restaurant open. I think they, they ran for about two years. And the whole area was, like, full of, uh, you know, these really awesome Caribbean restaurants. And, you know, if you don't have your game together, then, especially in yeah. a very concentrated area like that, then... Totally. There tell. used
3: to be a great butcher shop on that block or the next block down. It still is. Is it still there? Yeah. I haven't been over there in a long time.
4: Yeah, yeah. really, really super fresh. I mean, it kind of bugs me. They don't wear gloves, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> but, it, you know, the meat's moving so quick. Yeah. I, mean, I mean.
3: And what I always liked about that place, I've mentioned that place on this show before because I just have this memory of their big signboard in the back where you could get, like, the weekly grouping like one two three four Mm. and like it was you know two chickens and three things of ribs and a bunch of steaks and two dozen eggs like you just basically could buy for the week and be like give me a number four and i'm good for the week and i'll take it home to my family
4: that's it's beautiful because it has a a menu in mind you know the butchers also cook right and that's when you know that you know there's a lot of there's a lot more to it um than just knives sharp knives you know so Uh, But yeah, we, um, you know, we negotiated and they were happy to hand over me the keys. And, and I, um, yeah, in the beginning, I didn't know. I I just knew that there was no Vietnamese food in that whole area. Uh, This was 2008. And I, I, you know, I was like, there's no way I can lose. Yeah. If I just started off small and simple and just did it really well and just grow from that. And, uh, and you know, that's the, I think also adds to the DIY state of mind, you know, you kind of, you kind of let it grow organically instead of like get hung up on this very fixed visual idea of what it should look like. Sure. You know, the the couch matches the chairs, like you go back to what you're saying, everything (laughs) matchy
3: matchy, you know? So, well, and if, and if you set yourself up for this idea where you go in, then if you don't hit that ideal... It drives you're you al- nuts. Yeah, you're always going to be, you're, you're never going to feel like you're doing it right.
4: Yeah, and you can't get past that, and yeah. all of a sudden becomes a thing. And I think a lot of it also is part of b- maturing, like accepting for things for what they are. Yeah. You know, um, I think when I was first starting off and I f- read my first bad Yelp review, it, it, you know, it hurt. It was like, whoa. You know, you can't get hung up on it, though. Right. It's like, you, just you know, everyone burns a piece of toast or, you know, burns an egg every yeah. now and then, even the pros. Yep he's got to move on and that you know i think that reflects on your maturity and your experience and
3: well and and i also think i mean i think that you know i did actually go back i looked at some Yelp reviews for that why there were some great ones there's some really good
4: ones there's some really good ones in there <laughs> my family would call me laughing and i'm like <laughs> you read you read the Yelp reviews <laughs>
3: There's some really good ones, but but you know the thing that I that I noticed in looking at it, there's also some really. I mean, what was what I thought was cool <laughs> is that there were some pictures. Like, there's a ton of pictures of the food. There's some pictures of your signs, and what that reminded me about though is that you know it's a very small thing, but like you had a sign up that said no paper menus. Like the menu's here; it's written on the wall, and if you want to look at it online, it's on our website, right? Because a, why print menus? you are just going to throw them away. Throw them right?
4: away. It's a waste. I think uh, that's where. You know the California kid in me comes out. You know with the way I cook and also the way that I uh, run my business. You know, I if at the very least I want to build some sort of consciousness that there's a lot of garbage around. Like, why are we just adding to it, you know? Yeah. So.
3: Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I, I really appreciate that. I think that some of the Yelp reviews were from people who like were like, oh, I'm going to get Vietnamese, and they expect it to be just like the Thai place that's on every corner, or, or the crappy <laughs> sushi takeout, or whatever, yeah. right? Because they are just making these assumptions, and they are coming into it with these preconceived notions. Oh, yeah. Not coming into it to be like, I'm going to check out this restaurant and experience what it's sending out.
4: It's funny, because those same people when they go to another country like say if they went to vietnam some which a lot of them that were my regulars that would go there and have these expectations they would go to vietnam and tell me they would have an open, you know and you kind of you're you, the way you think going into situations it, it's uh, it, it contradicts itself you know i think people that came into my place expected this template how right. vietnamese food is supposed to look and taste and then you know, they tell me about the trip. and They're like, oh, my God, I was blown away. But I know that if, when they went to Vietnam, it's nothing like it is here. Yeah. But the spirit is, you know, like right. the, the I think um, it's like Italian food. We could go on and on about that. Sure. You know, but it's about the spirit, it's about the approach. It's about the technique. It's about the, the heart, yeah. you know, that you and I, I, um, I try to just like the same spirit of like street food in Southeast Asia, serve it at ground level. So I'm there. I'm cooking for you. Yeah. And most likely I'm ringing, any, ringing you up. Yeah. You know, and, um.
3: Yeah. And that, I mean, and, and that's, you know, that is a really valuable piece of knowing where your food comes from. I mean, when you go to the taco truck.
4: Yeah. It's the greatest thing. Right. I, love it. I
3: mean, you're there and you're watching them make it. And, you know, and there are great things <clears throat> about fine dining, but like in fine dining, very the person who's handing you the food. Had very little to do with the making of the food because right. that's the way that it's set up, right? But
4: with fine dining, you're there for different reasons. Of I course, mean, you know, you're there for the service. I mean, yeah. I think that's where uh, places like New York, Vi- Vegas, L.A., Paris. I mean, they, you know, they really make you feel really important. Yeah, and that's the other half of the game. Right. You know, it's a huge. Other half of it that I'm starting to warm up to yeah. a lot more. I think um, than I ever have um but you know service and just making people feel warm and you know comfortable
3: yeah you know? absolutely so what happened to to Natoya ultimately you had to close be, not not because you wanted to right
4: no it was um just landlord pretty typical story yeah. i mean typical these days it's sad but uh you know demolition accident mm. um it wasn't like a crazy demolition accident they, they the landlord's gutted the space um, next to mine, it was an old bodega run by an uh, old Dominican family. It was a really sp- sweet family, and um, they uh, pretty much priced them out and decided to open a real estate office, their own real estate office. And they and uh, during a demolition accident, they busted a hole through my wall and uh, oh, gosh. yeah, and didn't want to take responsibility for it. And then you know, I got to a point where I was just like, it was a um, a new landlord that had bought the building from the old one, the old guy, Gus, he was awesome. He was the kind of guy, old school, you know, you hand over your, your rent to him in his hand, yep. with his name on it. Yep. You know, it was, it was really my style yeah. of landlord. And, um, but he sold the building. Uh, I think he had a bunch of other buildings in the area, but he um, sold the building to a management group. And I just had a funny vibe about him. I mean, I could have easily just cleaned up the mess and just move on. But I think I felt that it was a start to a very bad relationship.
3: Right, and better to cut it off. Yeah,
4: yeah. I thought, it, and financially it was stupid. It was dumb, really dumb of me. And I think about that all the time. Like if I had just, you know, suck it up and just cleaned up the mess and moved on, you know, I probably financially would've been better. But I want there was a, a lot of pride at the time, I think I was, I was younger and I was in a different state of mind. Sure. Um, things were working for me. I felt It felt like I couldn't make any wrong decisions. Yeah. You know, so.
3: Well, I mean, you know, they say there are no wrong decisions. There's just the ones you make, right? Right. And so, you know, that wasn't a wrong decision at the time, but you could have made a different one, right? Could have like, made a different one.
4: But <laughs> then, you know, through that though, there was a lot of other things that spawned from it. So it's, you know, it actually kind of worked out yeah. better in a lot of other ways. But, you know, you learn to accept it. You, you keep moving.
3: Yep. Always always got to grow. Yeah. We're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors here at Heritage Radio. Uh, we're going to hear from the folks at Alaska Seafood. Uh, and if you tune in to uh, episode, I believe it's 109 of Feast Your Ears. No, I don't even remember all my numbers. But I interviewed Nellie Hand, who is a fisherman woman uh, in Alaska. <laughs> so check that out. And we'll be right back.
1: about what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy saltwater? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass, long chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite, and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com.
3: Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. This is Harry Rosenblum, and joined today in the studio by Fred Hue, the chef at Namin, an owner used to have Natoy on Havemeyer, and his dog Lucy is in the studio, too. <laughs> I don't think we're going to interview her today, but she's here. Uh, today is episode 109 of Feast Your Ears. It was episode 108 that I interviewed Nellie Hand, so if you're looking for that one, it is 108. Uh, so, Fred, before the break, we were talking about Natoy, uh, your first restaurant here in Brooklyn. Um, so, tell me about what do you have going on now, food-wise.
4: Um I have uh Namin, which in Vietnamese means our house. Uh Natoi, if you guys didn't know, means uh my house and it's because at the time I was the sole owner and uh with this new venture I have two partners, uh Jake Klotz and Jeremy Jones, who are amazing. And they yeah, we just wanted a space that where we could have art shows and you know Squeezing some music and yeah. uh, just just everything you know everything that we love and into one space uh, and uh, yeah it's been good it's uh, I wanted to do something that was different I think um, the years at netoy I I um, made a huge effort to make Vietnamese traditional food you know food that was traditional in, in through my eyes and uh And I think with this new venture, it's more, um, you know, exploring, just pushing the boundaries. I think that there's not a lot, enough Vietnamese-American chefs that are doing that. And I I wanted to uh, break those boundaries and
3: and push them a little bit. Sure. I mean, you talk about the healthy thing. I think that, I mean, if you, I feel like some days my Instagram feed is just picture of like rice bowl after rice bowl after rice bowl, you know, like maybe a quinoa thrown in there.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's really simple. Really. It's a very, very simple formula, whole grains, whole vegetables, whole foods, you know, Mm -hmm. just, just everything very recognizable as little processing as possible. And, uh, and the vegetables change every day. I think that you should always change your diet. So whether you're a meat lover or vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian or whatever, you should always change up your diet constantly. It's very important, I think, uh, in so many levels to, to constantly change those ingredients and variables. And and so that's what we do there. And um, what also makes it super special is the um, the sauce bar. Yeah. Um, it's something that I love doing, love making sauces, even when I hadn't a toy, but because of the traditional kind of you know this obligation I had to make things traditional. There was, you know, it's a very narrow path. Sure. Uh, so with this one, I just kind of went all out. I was like, you know mm-hmm. what, fuck it, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that.
3: Right. You've got like green goddess. You've yeah. Got, but you've got that next to like spicy chili oil, and, and you've got and then everything in between. So it's yeah,
4: like like ten different types of, you know, variations of green goddesses. Yeah. yeah. So there was, you know, there's and if you look at the bo- sauces, it's it's pretty it's. It's described by what's in there, so it's pretty straight up. And um, you know, instead of using those odds and ends of vegetables to make vegetable stock, which is you know, I feel like the most simplest way of using utilizing those things, we made sauces out of it. Yeah. You know, carrot sauce and you know, the ends of onions. We caramelize it and make a vinaigrette. You know and and so, using every bit of the vegetables to to, and, but different, um, different, you know, angles, I guess you could say. So you would find it in the bowl, you would find it in the in the patty, the vegetable patty. You would also find it in the sauces.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, uh, the type of food, I mean, I love it. I love what you're doing there. It's a way that I love to eat it's a very fermented and food heavy, which oh, yeah. is, you know, very, I any, anyone who is a regular listener to this show knows that I <laughs> like all about fermented foods well, all the time.
4: It's, it's great. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good feeling to take something so simple and add a, a umami layer layer to it. You know, you take... You know, some it peppers, and you it you take it to another level, yeah, and it uh, it reaches that uh, that uh, flavor that you would normally would if you uh, took a step back and let it. Do its thing.
3: Yeah, and it definitely, I mean, you know, it definitely was an an inspiration to me when I started thinking about this festival that we have coming up at the Brooklyn Kitchen that, you know, you're hoping that you're going to assist me. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll be doing a lot of cooking there. So uh, those of you listening, June 15th, 16th, 17th at the Brooklyn Kitchen, we're throwing a music and art and film festival called, and food called the Freak Flag Fest. Uh, you can find <laughs> info about it at freakflag.info. And it is a sort of celebration of that DIY kind of ethos um, and things that myself and friends and acquaintances and colleagues and collaborators have been involved in in New York for the last 20 years. So musicians, uh, I mean, uh, you know. A lot Dan, of musicians. Tons tons of music. Um, Dan Friel, who you may know, was in a band called Parts and Labor for a while. His band, uh, Upper Wilds, is going to be playing. Uh, Mike Watt uh, from the Minutemen will be there. He'll be he'll be performing and Matt Motel, uh, Matt Motel, yeah, uh, playing with Mike. Uh, <laughs> guy named Prince Harvey, uh, who I'm really excited for, who's Brooklyn. Native is going to be going to be playing. Uh, and then we're gonna have a lot of great film stuff. We're gonna have uh, films from Trauma. Uh, there's gonna be uh, called Terror Firmer uh, is one of their films. We'll be screening and there's gonna be a lot of art installations and there's gonna be food. So the idea. Uh, was that I want to have all the foods have some be something fermented, uh, and I want it all to be vegetarian um, because I you know feel like I want it to be an inclusive kind of food space um, and obviously we 're not going to set up a whole restaurant so it, you know in a, in a restaurant you can be inclusive by offering options we 're going to offer options, but I want it all to be vegetarian because if you eat meat, you can certainly yeah. eat vegetarian food, but i don 't want to distance anybody from that
4: no absolutely i mean and that's the thing when i with the in mean, going um, with the style of cooking over there like i even though vegetables are the star i don't we, we have plenty of meat and seafood options and it's just uh it's good to take a, you know to take a step back and vegetables are so uh, under underutilized. i feel like you know you go to these really nice restaurants and you know you see the, the beautiful mic you know the, the the meat and everything and the, you know everything's made pasta made in house but you know there's not enough vegetables on the plate
3: yeah and you can do so much with it i mean you mentioned sort of making use of everything right i mean oh, yeah. so i mean <clears throat> the other day i bought a couple of burdock roots uh at the grocery store and i like making uh gobo oh yeah uh, so i made you know i took one of them and i did that and i had this other one and i was trying to decide i was like all right well nobody else in the house really eats it except me so like how much can i possibly eat in a week So, but then I saw uh, on Pascal Bauder, who's a a fermentation uh, writer out in California, posted a recipe, a picture on Instagram with a recipe. And this is what I meant about my opening about like technology and be able to communicate with these people you don't really know, but who you've like just met through social media. He posted a recipe, like as I was thinking about, I mean, the the algorithm knows you, right? (laughs) Like as I was thinking about what am I gonna do with this burdock, he posted a recipe for fermented burdock that he made. And I was like, oh, perfect. That is exactly what I'm going to do with it. So, you know, trying to take those ideas and put them into the food. I want to serve dosa. I want to possibly make a bunch of tempeh and serve tempeh. Um, You know, interested in serving in rice, I'm going to make pickles. Um, I'm going to do a lot of fermented, you know, a couple of big vats of fermented pickles and have the food just be like simple, And have it be just there for people to, you know, like you can get just a plate of pickles. If you want pickles, you can get it as a dosa. You can, you know, probably do some kind of curried vegetables, curried sweet potato, maybe, maybe curried tempeh. Um, I did a curried tempeh dish the other night at home.
4: Love, love curry. Um, And I'll be doing sweets, I guess. I'll do like a, I don't know, like a fruit crepes, I guess. with We'll do some fancy chocolate. Uh,
3: situation, you know, and uh. yeah. and you'll be able to wash it all down with some great beer and cider. Uh, Brooklyn Cider House will have some of their stuff. Red Hook Winery, um, and uh, hopefully Fifth Hammer Beer. Chris Kuzmi, if you're listening you haven't written back to my email yet but I'm hoping that we'll have Fifth Hammer beer I'm going to hold you to it now that I put it on air
2: uh,
3: for the Free Flag Fest
1: <laughs> and this is
3: the first first annual this is the first annual uh, nice. Free Flag Fest the the hope is to keep it keep it going in, in one space or another because uh, it really is a wonderful way to bring these communities together and to you know to put it all in one place and you know the fact that it's Father's Day weekend I don't know if it will be next year or not it happened to fall that way this year um, but you know to me there's a piece to that too, right? Like we're both dads. Yeah. The other, you know, a couple of the other people who help organize it are dads too. I mean, moms as well. But like, you know, but we're parents. <laughs> this now. is like our it's day. Very, it's very different, right? Yeah. I mean, like it's it's very different than it was when I was having people play in my loft when I was twenty-two. You know, like my life is different now. I can people play at the Brooklyn Kitchen, right? And yeah. like instead of like you know selling forties yeah. out of my refrigerator, <laughs> right? We can sell wine. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's more official, maybe. yeah. <laughs> um, exactly, exactly. Um, so, what? Uh, and then, aside from Namin, you also uh, you also have another spot where you do some of the food, right?
4: Yeah, I. Um, it's kind of become. Actually, I'm. I'm it's gonna. i mean, This year is gonna be the year of uh, the pop up for me. I think. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, you did a supper club thing, right? I did. Between
3: I did between. That's a
4: lot of work. Yeah, yeah. in between restaurants, I. Had some, during the build out of Namin, I, I just wanted to explore different aspects of the restaurant where you're just feeding people, you know? And I thought supper clubs at the time, it seemed like they were popping up everywhere. It's like, let me give this a shot. And, uh, it was my supper club. Uh, I had, um, you know, I, you know, I, I'd invite chefs aside from me, I would have other chefs come in and host and I would sell tickets for them, you know? And, uh. And it was fun. I did it for a year. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and the margins are slim. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, and, you uh, never
3: really reach that, like... Level of running a restaurant where you can like no. hit a level of efficiency and utilization and things you don't use today you can use tomorrow kind of thing. No, right? no, and things can't get folded back into the business. So it's yeah. so if the
4: pickles like say if at the restaurants easy making pickles because you know you're going to go through it by the end of the week. Easily. Right,
3: right. If and not, if you don't sell them today, they'll still be pickled tomorrow. So that's yeah. the difference. Yeah.
4: yeah, with supper clubs you have to make it from scratch and it's yeah, for one night. And right. sometimes we'd had two seatings during you know if it was a very popular chef we would have. Uh, two seatings a day or night and uh and we'd sell out you know and it was great but then all, there's all this stuff left over and you know you have to worry you know that and that's the thing about um uh, i'm starting to find out about doing pop-ups as well and catering and um is that um there's it's funny because when i had a restaurant i in some ways kind of looked down on this kind of like stuff i guess it was it was like why you know, why don't you sign on to a lease and just commit to the menu? <laughs> sure. You know? And I mean what's the big deal? But now it's it's just doesn't make sense. I mean the, the rents are so high. Yeah. And you know, you look at like how much do you yeah, have to that barrier like, the barrier to
3: entry's gone up? Yeah,
4: it's 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 really intimidating. So um and and also I think it goes back to like uh just wanting to show people other sides of your cooking and doing pop ups. Food trucks, all that stuff, supper clubs. It gives you a chance to do the menu you always wanted to do, right. and to see people eat it and enjoy it, or, or not enjoy it. But <laughs> you, you know, you get to test out your this this these recipes you've been developing in yep. your mind. If not, like every now and then, you know, on the side, if you're not too busy, and that's that's uh, that's kind of what's become with this new venture that I have. Um, in the beginning, it was uh, it was more of a partnership. Um, uh, it's um, it's now become sort of just a residency. So, I've scaled back in the uh, from seven days a week. I was there every day wow. for like, like I you know am with all my business ventures so far. It's kind of become yeah, my but style. You need a little time with your daughter and absolutely family time. Family. yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's so much more important to spend time with your daughter than uh, the, you know the, your family than anything else. I think that that's what drives me. What drives me to go forward these days um, but um, you know with these pop-ups I get to work on these ideas I've always wanted to try in my restaurant but you know with all the things going on it's hard it's hard to squeeze in all these little things you know it's a, so um, I've scaled back to three days now or four days but I'm going to go back to three days because I've, I've just locked in a couple other um, pop-up gigs one of which is in Manhattan uh, that I'm really excited about and uh, and possibly in Bushwick um, and uh, yeah I mean and every now and then I, I do a lot of uh, events over at the well um, yeah. yeah the last two summers have been crazy this summer they've uh, yeah I think they're it, yeah just changing things up yeah sure um, but they'll call me every now and then Uh, but um it's it's fun you know you get to exercise that creativity
3: yeah
4: you know it's like I've always wanted to make burgers and hot dogs and tacos but I just didn't want to commit to the to the menu you know <laughs> so this is a great outlet for that totally you know, I can do Vietnamese tacos and you know uh, but uh, yeah a lot of a lot of things going on awesome
3: um, well so people can find so then people the best place for people to keep track of the stuff you have going on is Instagram
4: is that I Twitter? Do, I know, I do not I'm not signed on to in, uh, Twitter. Definitely not Twitter. Um Instagram I have it for my restaurant, but I'm I'm planning to you know have it's always every year. It's always on my you know, it's on my list. And it's just I can never, never do it. Never ending list. Yeah, it's just a never ending list. And I I have to set up an Instagram Instagram account. Uh but for now, uh it's I guess um Facebook. Yeah. Um cool. I I am at uh herbs and that's at two one two two Beekman place in uh, Prospect Lefferts Garden, and I'm there Monday to Thursday for dinner six to eleven. And uh, Namin, I'm gonna I'm um, uh, gonna be doing um, every last summer we started it, but this sh- summer we're gonna definitely push for more for it. But I've uh, uh, you know more of an outdoor presence, yeah. uh, so we have this entire corner to ourselves pretty much.
3: Yeah, and it's still so industrial over there that on the weekend, there's nobody around. No one cares. Right? I mean, so you can do whatever you want over there. It's great. can do whatever the hell we still, want. I mean, it's one of those rare corners, I feel like, that's still a little bit Wild West. Right? I love like, it. Yeah. yeah, it's great. feels like
4: old New York. Yeah, for sure.
3: Um, but yeah, so you could find me at those two places. And,
4: and, then, uh, and then Freak Flag Fest. Yes, definitely. I'm very much looking forward to that. I've always admired everything you guys did. Oh, thanks. Uh, the, I remember even the first day we met, I remember you coming into the kitchen and talking about how you're going to have the school. And I was like, oh, really? And I'm just like peeling gar- ginger. Yeah. I remember. And you're like, we gave my classes. How do you peel ginger? Yeah. And you're like, I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, this sounds great. And sure enough, you did it. And it was, yeah. a, it was beautiful, beautiful. You know, one of the best, by far, in my opinion, the best shops, shopping experiences in all of New York
3: City awesome yeah it was you know it was a it was a good run and as with everything like that stuff changes too right so but come on out for Free flag fest because we're gonna have a we're gonna have a grand old time yes for that for sure well thank you so much fred and thanks lucy you're kind of half asleep on the floor but that's cool i guess that's your you're a dog that's your kind of normal normal state of being
4: Oops, sorry oh, sorry
3: maybe it's the restaurant calling
4: uh, no, it's Purveyor. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> almost, though.
3: Almost, almost. Well, thanks again, Fred, for for coming on the show. Uh, I hope everybody will check out Nami. mean it's, you know, like I said, like you, you know, you go there and you eat one of those bowls and you just feel so good. Yes. Afterwards. I mean, to me. Very good. That is one of those amazing things. I'm like, I know, like, I love eating barbecue. I love. Yeah, of course. But I often don't feel good after I eat a big plate of barbecue.
4: Well, you well, there's always this, this. Yeah, it's a short amount of time before
3: you <laughs> start feeling bad. But yeah, you, yeah, I feel pretty good even after. Yeah, I guess you get the endorphin spike, right? Yeah. Of like how you know how great it tastes and uh, the excitement and the salt. Yes, the salt. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely when I eat one of the bowls, not I mean I feel great. Yes. Afterwards. So hope everybody check that out. Um, so you know, instead of my normal recipe segment, kind of at the end uh, today, what I will leave everybody with uh, is the idea that. Making a grain bowl or a rice bowl really is a formula, and it should include some kind of grain, whether that's quinoa or rice or brown rice, or you know, to be honest, even oatmeal or cornmeal or polenta, something like that definitely have to have some fresh vegetables in there i think you have to have some pickled vegetables in there absolutely and then i love to have something in the i mean you know it's hard to get away from the american upbringing of being like we need protein in there we need protein in there right <laughs> even if you have something like quinoa which is high in protein like so, put in, you know, whatever. Put Fried some, egg. Put some fish, put some egg, put a piece Man. of meat, put some tempeh, whatever you want. You can put seitan, although I don't personally, seitan's like my least favorite of the, <laughs> of the like. See, yeah, it makes me feel bloated by love. Yeah. Of that. It's good stuff, <laughs> for sure. I mean, really good stuff. And then, you know, and then the really important thing is don't forget the sauce. No, never. Whatever that is, whether it's barbecue sauce, or if you're using, it, like, Japanese bulldog okonomi sauce, or if you're using the leftovers from the spicy cucumbers you had, whatever. Put some I've, sauce on it.
4: I feel like you can't get more American than the sauce. Like, you go to a lot of other countries. Good point. It's not always there, available. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that uh, it's, it's, it saves the meal. If the meal goes bad, you have the sauce. Yeah, we do love our condiments here. Well, yeah. Yeah, Definitely.
3: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Fred, and thanks everybody for listening. Today was episode 109 of Feast Your Ears. Big thank you to David Tadashore who engineers this show every week. Big thank you to the Alaska Seafood uh, for sponsoring the show and sponsoring Heritage Radio. You can find Feast Your Ears, as well as lots of other great shows, heritageradionetwork.org iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere on the internet. Just use your Google and you can find us. Please take a moment to like the show wherever you listen to it. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. And you can follow me on social media at The Talk to you next week.